Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Uh, my name's Matt, I'm sitting here with Scott yet again. And Scotty, I'm not going to ask you how you are, we're just going to jump straight into some positives from the weekend. How good was it to return to Belmore uh, in front of a packed crowd? Huge sense of occasion on the day. There was a real buzz around the local area. And uh, 16,991 people crammed into uh, the old Belmore Sports Ground. Uh, what an event. Awesome event. Uh, quite successful. Uh, I mean, apart from the win on the field. Um, however, I felt like the Bulldogs did lift a little bit. I feel like the Dragons are a little bit out of their league. And they definitely gave them a run for their money. Um, seeing the Hill packed. Uh, behind the goalpost and then obviously the old grandstand there packed where we were sitting. Uh, good good experience, good atmosphere. Um, gladly, though, once a year, I think, is the perfect number. Oh, I'm just saying, to make it an event the way it is, to get that to make it feel like that, once a year is a nice number, like to make the real sense of an occasion, make it a real event. Every year we go back there and play someone on a Sunday afternoon, preferably, turns into a real event. But yeah, 16,991. I don't think, you know, it was a a sold out. All the tickets were sold. You wouldn't have fit. 17 might have been capacity or 17 and a half might have been the official, like, Mm. where they stopped drawing, where they could stop letting people in. But it was a full house. uh, Good experience for the boys. And well done. I know it was... It was our biggest crowd for Belmore in a while, in a long, long while. So it's the first time we played there in three years. I know we've, this time we're versing another Sydney club. But well done to the, the Bulldogs fans and the Dragons fans who made the trek out there because both teams are not in the top eight. Yeah. Where, well, look, to be to be fair, there was a few Dragons fans out there. But looking around, it was, it was almost exclusively blue and white. So for a team to be based where we are on a competition ladder at this point in time, uh, with only five wins, I think it is, at the moment of the last two years, uh, to be able to pull that type of crowd is something very special that um, maybe not too many other clubs would have done. Yes, the weather worked in our favour. Yes, we're versing a Sydney team. And it was the first game at Belmore for three years. But um, an amazing event and a real show of strength of the club off the field. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. It was awesome, and uh, that's I think the thing, the reason we got to keep it to once a year. Got to turn it to a real event, and it went. Hopefully, when we go up the ladder in the next couple of years, hopefully we're on the way up, we can turn that Belmore game into a, like almost impossible for us to lose. Because the players definitely lifted on the weekend. Hopefully, we you know we can get some better performances in the next couple of years, and we can turn that into a one like one off a year, seventeen thousand, eighteen thousand people at Belmore. Turned it to an amazing occasion because I was looking at some debate online how we should play more games there, or we should play six games there. Well, it just takes away how special the occasion is. Yeah, that's Once right. And he, you, yeah. And I'm trying to stay positive here and keep turning it towards that argument. But um, yeah, well, once you, if you start playing more than probably two or three games there, you start running the risk of being scheduled on a Thursday night with 7,000 people there. You run the risk of, you know, pouring pouring rain, meaning no one wants to be on the hill and a small crowd and all that sort of stuff. But it's no secret that we're uh, fans of modern stadiums, stadiums built for the current day people and, and not people from yesteryear. Uh, but a magnificent I... event. And to continue yeah. on my, try to continue on my theme of positivity, 
Uh, the Bulldogs scored their most amount of points for the year on the day. Yes, they did. 24 last week was 22. Now this week was 24. Yep. We're on the up. Uh, goal kicking like, a bit better. Yeah, goal kicking's got a little bit better. And I like the new style. There was a major shift in the way we were playing compared to under Trent Barrett. Um, I haven't gone back to watch it on TV to see what it looked like yeah. there. But at, on, at the ground... Um, it looked like a massive difference. Uh, we were discussing before the game in the stands that we've got a much smaller pack, so maybe we'll move them around a little bit through the middle. And uh, we're joking that we haven't really seen that type of uh, game plan uh, from the Bulldogs for a while. And we're not sure if you know we had the players to do it, but there was definitely a lot more ball movement, a lot more through the through the halfback at first receiver, getting to those edges, and we were moving those uh, front rowers around. Yeah, I, was, I must say, Mick, Mick Potter did say when he first came in, all he wanted to do was r- relax the team when it came to attack and not be so robotic or so much structure. If they see something, go for it um, to see opportunities. But moving around, yeah, we did play short. Tapita Pango Jr. was a late withdrawal from this game with a, apparently a back spasm. Um, so that means we had to go light on the bench. With Joe Stimson jumping into the bench, we went much lighter. We had a few back rowers. We know we needed Max King to play a big minutes in the middle, and he's not a big middle man at all. He's quite actually a smaller forward in the NRL the NRL standards. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we moved around. It looks looked exciting. Um, you saw Matt Burton put a kick for in for the Fox. You know, he's seeing players you know back themselves, go for it. I'm not saying this under Trent Barrett, but even. Des Hasler era, you didn't see too much of outside of the the structures or players backing themselves if they saw an opportunity to go for it. And uh looks like already that Mick Potter's given the green light. If they see an opportunity, back yourself. Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, not only that, but 18 points scored in the second half is probably one of the better performances on the scoreboard, at least, we've had for a long time. So it did give that huge crowd at Belmore a lot of chances to get up and get behind the boys. It created a really good, loud atmosphere uh, and celebrate some uh, some good tries as well. And if you include the last five minutes of um, that first half, Scotty, uh, well, let me just double-check. Last six minutes of that first half, my apologies, in 46 minutes, we scored 24 points. So another amazing, like, you know, that that's, that's a good, uh, good, solid effort regardless of who you're talking about at the NRL level. Yeah, it's been, we're making a bit of a habit under McPotter going well in the second half or towards the back end of games that we're scoring our points because we did that against the Tigers as well. Could look yeah. like we score a point. Then the second half, we, was, we had for a patch me, of... For scoring. me, I don't count the West Tigers game. But I know it will go down as Potter, but uh, he was there a day yeah. and a half. He didn't do too much. So I'm, I'm starting from, from this, this game. game. That's fair Mick call. Potter. Uh, fair absolutely. Call. Uh, and... Uh, to stay on the theme of positivity, Scotty, uh, Jake Averillo gets a double. Yeah, it's if Jake Averillo could verse the Dragons every week, I don't know if there's something about the Dragons he loves. don't know if he... Well, I don't know if he actually hates the Dragons that much. He flicks up into another gear because he seems just to score points every time he verses the Dragons and tries. It's it was good to see him score some points because he's a, a huge talent. There's no doubt about it. And uh, he's played some really good games on top grade. And it's just... He's kind of got like that... Uh, what feels like a Moses Zembai effect at the moment, just trying to put him in the right spot in in the team. Where yeah, is like, his right spot? Well, 
this could be a conversation for later, but it, I reckon fullback might be the right spot for him. I reckon he's got yeah. all the talent to to play fullback. He can chime in with a couple of little kicks as well. He's got all the passing skills. We know that, and he's bloody fast. He's a it's a fast little fella. But yeah, seeing him score tries at centre, uh, seeing him happy, um, even seeing Kyle Flanagan score. Yeah, absolutely. Was, that was a good. Was, that was a good was moment. Awesome. Um, uh, yeah, Hunt, though, kicking it over to that house. I'll tell you what. Yeah, yeah, both of them hit yeah. the same house. <laughs> I'd love to see Avarilla get a go at fullback. I haven't seen him under the high ball or really organising a defence, so I'm not sure how he'd go with that. But in, from the attacking side, him wrapping around almost as that second five eight, you'd you'd think that would be his his uh, spot, wouldn't you? Um, mm. Over his best spot overall with the attacking attributes that he has shown. Um, that's right. And as you're talking, uh, but uh, oh, sorry, before I move on, I will say that um, after watching him play halfback for a year and a bit and uh, back at centre, perhaps centre is the spot he'll end up in. So obviously he's got some improvements to make uh, in that position, but um, perhaps that is that is his position. Now, further to your point, Scotty, you said uh, Avarillo loves to play against the Dragons. Uh, he's played them four times uh, for four tries and six goals. However, all four tries and all six goals have happened in the last two games. Yeah, we, yeah so it's just a recent thing for him. So 28 points in the last two games for Jake Avarillo against the St. George Warrior Dragons. If Even if you don't want to include the goal kicking, that's four tries in his last two games. Which is uh, 16 points. Yep, so uh, that well, is that. Thank you for adding to that. I just, I just always have, <laughs> just have a memory of him just versing, the, just him scoring tries against the Dragons. But to add to the what best position, we know how quick he is. With remember, I just remember his first try in the NRL against Manly, and Lock yeah. Lewis put that kick in. It looked like Lewis was kicking for himself. It was a bit of a shonky old kick, and then Avrilo ended up on it as quick as anything, and then ran past Travojevic with ease. You know, not many people could sit up Travojevic, so. You know, he, he like to add to you, yeah, he's got all the speed and the uh, attacking play to be fullback. It'd be interesting to see how it goes under the high ball. He did play that a bit of fullback in the juniors. Um, but if he does end up somewhere in the spine, like where he wants to be, to me, it's either fullback or 5'8". He ends up. He he can't end up as the main playmaker on the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he definitely adds a lot to attack. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he develops and what chances he'd be given. Um, but he's such a talent. Like, he could play so many different positions, and sometimes that could be a bit of a, a negative. But a positive absolutely. in your career. Yeah. Being so versatile. Uh, absolutely. Um, and you brought it up a second ago, but the try to uh, Flanagan, that was a good moment. He's been through a lot. So uh, to see him get across the stripe, and yeah, he... Just ran, was it five meters and, and fell over the line? But uh, to, for him as a half to be backing up through the middle, and uh, it was good of Dufty to to pass the ball. I didn't think he was going to, to be honest, live um, at the ground. No, I thought but Dufty he, had um, it. he he did pass the ball, and, and um, the line that Flanagan was running at that point in time uh, made the try a lock. So that was good. And to see a celebration afterwards too, and uh, that celebration included uh, a kick that was one of the best spirals I've ever seen. Mm, into the to the house uh, just b- behind Belmore there. Uh, 
It was, yeah, it was a, a spiral, a wobbly one. I wouldn't have would have hated to be under that one on the other side of the fence at Belmore. Absolutely, <laughs> the uh, the kids that were stealing the balls were were, were a little bit shaky <laughs> under under that one. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. I mean, but yeah, it was. I had an extra cheer when I uh, saw Flanagan pushing up and the ball went to Flanagan. I think I screamed a little bit louder for that one because it was good to see him have that moment. He deserves that moment, like you said, he's been for a lot. And uh, he's handled himself quite well. This mm-hmm. whole the whole situation of being dropped for the last like you know eighteen months or so at the Bulldogs, and uh, yeah, seeing when they when he scored and how much it meant to him, and I mean uh, that could be the thing what it sparks him into some real good form. I reckon. Absolutely. Funny, tri- funny thing, what a try can do in games. Sometimes you'd be losing twenty nil, then you score a try. It looked look like scoring, and then one becomes two, becomes three, type of thing. And I reckon mm-hmm. that might be something we'll flick a switch in him. Yeah, let's hope so. Now, trying to stay on my theme of positivity, he's going for as long as we possibly can because I'm just sick of negativity, to be honest. But we will get to some. <laughs> um, I've I've placed a uh, a multi already for Jeremy Marshall King to score in. Uh, anytime try scorer for the Dolphins against the Bulldogs for next season. Uh, get on now because uh, Hooker's coming up against the old Bulldog, uh, throw club of the Bulldogs. Doing well of late. <laughs> Are you talking about New Brown, are we? Well, I, I feel like, oh, yeah, here's the, the latest one. I should open that a little bit further, not just Hooker's. I feel like a lot of ex players play really well against the Bulldogs first game back. So, Jerry Marshall King, anytime try scorer for the Dolphins. Against the Bulldogs next year, I think we might be onto something there. Might be a bit of a struggle if it's round one if we got them. <laughs> might be. Well, you never know who the Dolphins. The Dolphins might sign a better hooker between now and then, but um, perhaps not as well. Uh, well, we better get to it, Scotty. We've, we've stayed away from it for as long as possible. We spoke about all the positives out of the game, but unfortunately, another loss. 34-24 at home. Uh, quite disappointing, uh, unfortunately, especially that first... 34 minutes. Uh, I think Matt Burden played in that first 30 minutes uh, the worst football I've ever seen him play, whether it was uh, at any level, including his Lissuals Cup career at Pampers. So. 100%. That was... Uh, I think he'd be the first to say it was rubbish. But it was funny how he turned on the se- third or the second half and became more involved and more positive um, the way he played. So credit to him to not go in his shell or like he kicked the ball out of the full off a yep. kickoff, which uh, what what is what's Gus? What if Gus's favorite saying? So that's excusable, unless if it's blowing a real gusty wind. Uh, <coughs> you have no excuse to kick the ball out of the full. You got have it, he said you got so much real estate to land it in. You yeah. can't be peppering a sideline or the dead ball line, and he did that. He got <laughs> done out of the full. Hey, he kicked so the ball. It's a good it's a good point there that uh, you. You reiterate from Gus, uh, but just quietly. I don't think Gus can uh, talk about unforgivable things after the week he's just had. Fair enough. But continue. We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, he kicked the ball, not dead. It was just a very deep crossfield kick, which uh, only had dragons over it. Like, no one in the blue and white could get anywhere near it. Mm-hmm. Then, um, just, yeah, it was just on Matt Burton-like. Even though we've been poor, and I think Matt Burton could admit that, you know, he could have a better season or more of a, a better influence of the Bulldogs, he still has those really good moments, and he's been overall... He's probably been a 7 or 8 out of 10 year for Matt Burton so far, I would probably say. room Like, he could probably do a little bit more in some games, but overall, you know, 
to well. But the second half, he, he flipped it. And um, I think it was the back of that strip, if I'm correct, that happened was second, uh, where mm. he put an absolute rubbish kick in. But then he goes and makes the tackle and strips the ball back off him. That's what I do like that. Clear game play. That's like the wing of the <laughs> Absolutely. No, I absolutely love that. In all seriousness, though, like you make mm. a mistake, but then he's put his hand up and said, you know what? That's not what I wanted off my foot. I've, you know, didn't end the set as good as I should have. So yeah. he runs over there, makes sure he's in the tackle, then steals the ball off him. And then look at that. The Bulldogs are on the attack inside the 30. Um, you know, you make. You're not gonna. No one's gonna have a perfect game, or you're gonna make mistakes. But there's ways you can bounce back from it. If it's, you know, rock solid defense, or making sure you put a better kick in next time, or putting yourself in better positions. He just did yeah. it straight away. Solid. So I like that attitude. Absolutely. That attitude was very good. That's a, it was, look, yeah, I like good, that. Good bounce back. While we start talking about players' performances, let's go into our free two and ones. Um, we had the same player for three points this week. It was a little bit difficult because, um, as we were saying, just off air, Scotty, that some players had some good performances throughout the match, but not an overall 80-minute performance by any individual player, probably. Yeah, there's no real standout. Like, there was a standout for, like, a good 30 minutes or a good yeah. good whack of 20. And, like, I think you, like, you know, you could highlight Jacob Carraz, who looked... Dangerous and strong again. By the way, first time we've actually seen him play live. Of sorry, no, scratch that. No, it's not. <laughs> no, first time we've seen him live in the NRL. Not in person. Sorry, in, person. Yes, yeah, in yeah. person. I've never seen him. I've always seen him live in New South Cup. He doesn't look. He looks a bit smaller in the NRL, from my eyes anyway, than he does in New South Cup. But if, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, but he <laughs> runs. Like he's the size of uh, the height of Matt Burton and the weight of Luke Thompson, or the weight of Paul Vaughan. Like he runs hard. Like he looks yeah. a bit bigger in New South Cup. He looks a bit more scary in New South Cup. Then he he goes in the NRL. Oh geez, he runs hard. He just runs so hard. So I like that. He just he just is a go getter. Alrighty. So with yeah. our points, I did make mention of it. We both had uh, Luke Thompson with three points. We did. Yeah, it was a probably a. More round game. Although for Luke Thompson, he was pretty dangerous in attack. A lot of things started from him. He's more mobile forward. <laughs> I think did he run for 135 meters that game? I don't have it in front of me, mate. Yeah, I pulled it up anyway. Run 12 runs, 135 meters, 50 post contact meters, four tackle breaks, two line breaks. That's a good day. And 36 tackles. A lot of things come from him. But uh, one of his better games. But still, even he only ran for 135 meters. It wasn't yeah. like a whopping 180, 200 meter game from Luke Thompson. He's probably just been the more more consistent over the the the, the game than some of the other players. Absolutely. And who did That's you? Right, it's the three. Who did you give the two points to? I gave it to Max King, despite wearing the number twelve and named it twelve. You can tell he definitely started the game in the middle at, in the lock, pushed up and played a bit of prop. He played the the entirety of the first half. Uh, he played fifty seven minutes all up. Uh, 16 runs, 128 meters, 50 post contact meters, and four offloads. He's an offload machine, Maxi King. Um, but his offloads are smart offloads. Yeah, doesn't just drop it at the back and hope for anything. He de- usually gets it into a player before you know the play coming to an end. 
Absolutely. I, I gave Max King one point as well, so I'll back you up with that. My two points, Jake Avarillo. Took seven runs for 74 metres, 20 post-contact metres, two line breaks, one tackle break, um, 10 out of 11 tackles, if you know what that means. And uh, he scored two tries. And in a team struggling like we are, it's hard to not give points to the player that uh, scores a double. Well, I agree. I've just flipped him for one. Uh, yeah, like you said, two tries at Belmore. Loves the Dragons of recent, as you found out. Um <laughs> You know, hopefully that sparks something. You got a, uh, he's got a good opportunity this week against the play the Banfield side to continue those strings, string some tries together. Yep, absolutely. So now that um, changes the board a little bit, Scotty. We've had uh, players leaping all over the place. The biggest mover, Luke Thompson, from uh, early on three points, he's jumped right up to nine points. I've just realised I haven't actually reorganised the list here, so bear with me for two seconds as I do that. Um, and it's not it's not playing with me, Scotty. It's not playing as it's I'm... It's the most anticipated list in our <laughs> yeah, podcast. I think this is why done. people listen Here to we go. Matt Burden. Matt Burden leads the list at the moment on 19 points still. Paul Vaughan second on 16 points. I think Paul Vaughan has had a really good season and it does look like he's going to leave us at the end of the year, but uh, he's done a lot better than I was expecting at yeah, the club. Yeah, uh, 100%. I agree with uh, that Matt, statement. And then tied in third position, Max King, Josh Anakai, and Jeremy Marshall King on 10. And then uh, Luke Thompson is in there with nine. And then there's a log jam of players, uh, Matt Dufty, Kyle Flanagan, Brandon Burns on at seven points. Uh, and we'll leave that there. Now, Scotty, there was some controversies this week, so let's get into that. Uh, Josh Adakar was left out of the New South Wales Blues. Early thoughts? Crap. Crap. The Fox, you know, he's the had a... Winger. He's done the job before. He's been a big part of the Origin team. Doesn't he's... even get a chance. He's not playing... Uh, will, I have some stats here that will back it up. He's not playing shit football at the moment. Um, mm. He's playing decent football. And if it's uh, if he's playing decent football in a team that's struggling, you go with the incumbent until there's a reason not to go. So either we lose the game and we need changes or uh, he plays shit in origin. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we need somebody else to come in. So pretty uh, disgraceful decision. His defence hasn't been perfect. Uh yeah. At a car. Don't but it's not it's not been bad either. It hasn't been terrible or the other end yeah. either. Um like you said, he's the current one, he's been there, done it before. I think he's played four series with three wins for New South Wales for anyone's standards, but in particular New South Wales after you know we had to go through eight in a row before. Yeah. Three out of four is pretty damn good. He's a try scorer, he's he's just a, a match winner. Uh, he would be better in that team as well. He's, I think he one of his problems is he's not doing the, the absolute, you know, what people expect the other car, what people expect the other car is not doing all that, even though he has. He's scored long, mm. long for the range tries already and he's, uh, you know, set up a try off a kick where Matt Burton kicked back inside for shop. Um, we just mm. got to, you know, remember that he's still doing other car things. The reasons I have him more often is, first of all, he's not playing at the star lineup. Or he's playing in a team who's struggling. He's still trying to find their way in attack. But also, he's doing a lot more 
in defence than he ever has been by screaming out going in. If you notice, he goes in quite a little bit uh, to, you know, start, you know, screaming some messages out to the boys. Yeah. He wasn't doing that at much at Melbourne. And uh, he's doing a lot more working out off the ground. Like, as in, he's trying to get these yards, a lot, a lot more dummy half runs, a lot more, you know, putting a hand up type of runs to try to, you know, give the, the big man a break. So it's, he's not playing bad football at all. He's just playing for a team who's struggling. I think you put him back in the Melbourne Storm. He's probably got like, what's around, 10 tries at least by now. He's just to the team that you know, find the way to attack. And he has always been a bright light. Even in games where he hasn't scored, he's made like a yeah. line break or he's made something where we were like, why do we go to Adokar more often in that game? So I think it's crap. And then the thing I'm more concerned about being a New South Walshman myself is we're talking mm. about the height opposed to the Queensland wingers. Since when do you start yeah. picking a team because you're scared of what the opposition picks? Yeah. That's the more worrying sign as a New South Walshman fan. Yeah. Well, interesting enough, uh, I heard, I saw this stuff pointed out during the week. Adokar's played in four State of Origin series for three New South Wales victories. Yeah. He's only played 12 games, but he's got 10 tries. Only two players in the history of Origin have scored more tries for the Blues. Who's that? Jared Hayne has got 11 tries out of yeah, okay. 23 yeah. appearances. 13 yeah, so more every, than Adokar, one game, more try. One more try. Yeah, that's not, yeah, but the point I'm making here is he's played first, Sorry, he's played 11 more games than Adokar. He's, he's got, got one, more, one extra try. He Michael, o- Michael O'Connor also has 11 tries from 19 games. Yeah. And then so pretty Adokar with 10 tries from 12 games. So... He's never let New South Wales down. And to back it up, I'm going to read out a tweet from somebody. Um, pretty sure uh, the NRL Bulldogs fan account follows this guy. I see his tweets pop up all the time. Uh, at Andrew Macker 27 I feel like he summed it up the best the other night. So all credit to him for this. But he tweeted saying, say what you will about Canterbury's form, but the fact Josh Adekar misses selection based on the club side he plays for is disgraceful. Six for tackle breaks in the NRL, eight for line breaks in the NRL. Six out of 26 Bulldogs tries have been scored by Josh Adekar. He's never let New South Wales down. Awful decision. And I think that is probably the perfect way to leave that topic. Mm, well done, Maka. But I won't leave it there because there's one more thing I want to bring up <laughs> about this. Uh, and I thought the worst uh, thing I've seen about this was Brad Fittler. Okay. Now bear with me here. Yeah. This may this may have went through, the, through to the keeper with a lot of people, but it didn't with me. After announcing the team, uh, the question was put to Brad Fittler uh, about the surprise dropping of Josh Adokar. And this was early. I think this was Monday morning or something like that. His response was, I'm surprised that people are surprised. Yeah, that does a couple of things. First of all, I spoke to somebody about it and they said, well, it's like he's out of touch with the fans. <laughs> Second of all, um, he's implying that Josh Adekar is shit because mm. why would people be surprised that he's not in the team? Yeah. And third of all, I thought it was a very disrespectful way for a coach to talk about a player that has given so much to New South Wales Blues after leaving him out. Mm. No, that's I haven't I haven't heard that. I haven't 
really pay too much attention to Brad Fittler. I try not to. Um, <laughs> I don't have a problem personally. with Fittler. I, I like Fittler as a player. I thought he did all right as a coach, especially that first year with the Roosters. He's been a very successful coach uh, at Mr. Vars Blues. He's a bit of a spaceman on Channel 9, but that's fine. Uh, I've got a lot of respect for Brad Fittler. The way he came back at the nines, it performed um, really, really well. Uh, yeah, matched did. it with the players at the nines. Uh, you've obviously got that intercept try that everyone will pull, pull to, but um, he did more than just that. He, he held his own at that nines competition with a lot of NRL players there and a lot of up-and-comers. Uh, huge respect for Brad Fittler. I thought that was a poor way of handling it. Mm-hmm. Very and poor. That's interesting that um decided to target Brad Fittler because also he is, uh, looks like he's in the running to be the head coach. <laughs> Surely not. Surely, uh, first of all, for him, yeah. Why would you? Like, I still think if he loses his Origin series, I think he gets one more crack yeah. at New South Wales. So he's got a good job. He works for Channel Nine, well, which is it's also come out, it's come out today, Scotty, that he's contracted this year and next year for the Blues. And if he was to win a series uh, this year or next year, he automatically gets an extra year on his contract. He's got a good chance of doing it this year, I guess. Um, I don't know. I've looked at that Queensland team. I think this this might be the year of one of those those Queensland upsets. One of the at, at the end of the free games was sitting there going, "Typical Queensland, they did it again." Yeah, no, Queensland side's better than what I was, or you know, players have performed better. Like I yeah. had no idea that Ruben Cotter would be there, but he, you know, yeah. deserves to be there. Um, didn't think he'd be someone who stood out so much for the Cowboys, but. Yeah. Um, Hitler. Yeah, he's got a good job at Origin. Yeah. He's also got a good job at Channel 9. Uh, it's, I don't know if he'd be the right there to take the Bulldogs where we need to be. Or, Well, the thing is, Paul Kent said this on 360. I, kind of, I agree with him too. Um, if there's somebody that's going to work under Gus and do it successfully, Brad Fitt was probably the perfect man. Like a Flanagan, Shane Flanagan, if he got the job, he'd want to run it the way... He wanted to be the head, you know, the big man, making yeah. all the decisions about his team, and rightfully so. Um, same with with the up and coming assistant coaches, uh, Christian Wolf, if he got it. Um, if there was a, a mix, uh, if there was a jumble up of coaches, and we got a current NRL coach from somewhere from another club, they would be in the same boat. Brad Fittler already has that pre existing relationship with Gus, um, and uh, Kenzie was comparing it to the Gus situation with the young Ricky Stewart at the Roosters where yes. Gus was helping, coaching here and there, guiding Stuart. Brad Fittler's probably got enough experience to get another crack at head coaching and probably not overly much experience coaching an overall team that he'd actually allow Gus to have a say and they could actually work together, which I agree with. Okay. Right. I'm not oh, saying yeah. we should hire Brad Fittler. I'm just saying that he probably will work with Gus really well. Yeah, because he's terrifying they'll be butting heads. Yeah. It would just be day after day, there'd be something, what's happened. We'd be top four and flooding and get fired or something. <laughs> I wonder <laughs> if you're talking about Anthony Griffin. Yeah, that's what I'm alluding to. <laughs> yeah, All right. Know. Second disgraceful moment of the week. <laughs> I love this disgraceful moments of the week segment. Disgraceful uh, tell you, wait, week. tell us what you think, listeners. Should we have this yeah. more often? Top two, top three, maybe? Well, I don't know. I don't think we have disgraceful moments. 
coming out of the Bulldogs every week, luckily, uh, unless you're referring to on-field performance. <laughs> some, some um, let's get off that train. Um, where we'll go, we'll go with uh, Phil Gould coming out and saying that no one has applied for the job. He's had no conversations about the job, and he's had no, um, no one inquire about the job. And the job I'm referring to is obviously the Bulldogs' head coaching position. How ridiculous, how stupid. Nobody even believes this, given the fact that the day after, it might have been the day off, but I'm pretty sure it was the day after Trent Barrett gets fired, in that first press conference, Gus starts at Belmore, says, I've already had heaps of coaches call me. I've already had heaps of applicants. Mm. And also, yeah, what's and- the term applicants in regards to a head coach job? Is the job on seek? Yeah. Like, well, I, well, first of all, Shane Flanagan's dropping it in podcasts and radio interviews. <laughs> that, that's saying. right. That's a good point. He said this <laughs> three days after Shane Flanagan literally said the words in public, I want the job. <laughs> yeah. Shane Flanagan's even got to, was wearing a Bulldogs polo. No, I'm joking. He wasn't wearing a Bulldogs polo, but um, Shane Flanagan... He was, wearing, has... he, was, he was seen wearing a Bulldogs polo and he said that he was just supporting his son. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But he's even said that, it, like, I'll say that allegedly, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> he's he's said on radio that he wants the job and he thinks he's the right man for the job. Um, mm. If that's not really a pu- applying or putting yourself out there, I don't know what is. Um, Fox League was reported that Jim Dubik has put his hat in the ring for coaching. Um, that they've approached Cameron Serrado, who's rejected the job. Yep. Again, uh, because that's who they wanted, was Cameron Serrado, apparently. Another pair of his assistant coach. Maybe it's to help Trent Barrett back out to go back to assistant. I don't know. Um, but, like, I think there's, like, there's four there. There's probably five to ten top range, like, either international being a UK Super League or rep football coach or even coaches from New South Wales Cup Queensland Cup have probably looked at the job and probably tried to reach out to Gus or the Bulldogs and thinking they're the right person but yeah when yeah. you got Shane Flanagan saying that he's interested and wants the job and he's telling everyone on the radio and or podcasts yeah. that he wants to do it he's telling people in Fox League that he's ready for it it's probably not a good look with Gus since no one's applied for the job because Shane Flanagan would probably be going well I'm someone already <laughs> James Flanagan just put the tail back between the legs and walked out. Just going, oh, what, what else could I do? Yeah. <laughs> just trained myself to uh, the gates at Belmore. <laughs> yeah. Put, get a cardboard box or, or a cardboard sign that says, I can, I'll coach for money or something, or coach for food or something. Like that. I don't know. He's just... He's coach available. Cardboard box that says coach available sign. Yeah. <laughs> Standing at the front of... I don't know what else yeah. to do. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, it's, mm. It was a weird one by Gus. Uh, James Graham thinks something's already happened. Yeah, well, well, James Graham has come out and said that he believes um, talks with... Sorry, he believes Michael Ellis has been involved. Uh, I I couldn't see Michael Ellis going straight to head coach, though, so maybe assistant somewhere along the lines there. Um, Maybe Michael Michael Ellis, John Morris? Sharks connection? Maybe? Maybe, yeah. Um, Maybe. That that could work. Um, I'm sure Michael Ellis would be happy to be assisted with flooding it as well. Yeah. Um, they've got they've got some history, so there's that. Um, but obviously everyone's talking about Fitler. The, the talk out there is that uh, 
talks with Fitler will become more serious after Origin's over. But so that, really, that's when that's at the moment. I don't think we can wait that long. Yeah, well, you'd imagine if that was the case, some talks have already happened, haven't they? So they they're will. not they're not having. To, if that's the case, they're not going to get to the end of Origin and have fresh talks with Fitler, are they? They're going to no. get to the end of Origin and be like, okay, here's the offer, basically. So if that's the case, it's, if that's true, you'd have to say Fitler's in the box seat uh, because we're they're waiting for him. Uh, and obviously talks have already happened. The only thing would be would be the, the nitty-gritty, the dotting the, the I's and crossing the T's. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's, but it's not like the... I'll tell you what, what Gus is trying to do. Anyone at the club listens to us, we're going to be blacklisted because I think we've had a go at every potential. <laughs> the the, the favourite at the moment is Fitler, I'd have to say. We've had a go at him today. We've had a go at Gus almost every second week on the podcast since he's been involved at the club. Um, oh, I just don't know what... talked about not, not wanting me and you, not wanting Flanagan. Um, so, yeah. I just don't know what the uh, go is, just really breaking it down and telling people that no one's applied or they've had yeah. no interest. Like, yeah. what's what's the end goal? What, to piss, just to piss off the fans? Like, to make it look like we're not well, it's a, sounded a, a like, coach wants to come to? It sounded like he just wants to stop being asked about it by journalists. But it's a pretty poor way of going about it. Yeah, but then, then the next questions will be, why? Like, <laughs> exactly. what's, what's at the Bulldogs that... Had no one interested because I was starting to think: is there a cult? Is there a cultural problem? Or is it the fact that they're just running last and they just, you know, Dean Pay tried, uh, Trent Barrett's now tried. Um, is that why? Like, does no one wants to risk it? Like, or is the new coaches are going? Oh, wait, we'll wait for like a, at least the team in the middle of the table. Like, you know, Craig Fitzgibbon, like again, the Sharks. You know, they weren't yeah. going too badly, or they weren't going really that bad at all. The two disgraceful moments of the week here, um, brought to you by McDonald's Punch Bowl. No, <laughs> um, uh, are both mistakes people have made in the media that you wouldn't expect to, because both have had long histories working in the media. Yep, ridiculous. All right, Scotty. Normally, you run the episode. This week, I run the episode. So before we get to the ending and old dog and and all of that. Have I missed out anything that you want to talk about? Well, I was going to talk about Peter Baker Jr. being pulled out with all the talk. Yeah. About. He's, not, he's not named this week at all. Back spasms is the yeah. rumour and all that. We haven't heard anything from the club officially um, yet. Is this... Would you be surprised if in a few weeks' time he gets released? Or gets announced that he's no longer needs needed by next year? And Sons of the uh, Dolphins? Or, or am I just... No, uh, it wouldn't or, surprise me. I don't know if this is the reason why he's not in the team, but if, th- if that was to happen down the track, it would not surprise me. Because um, you've got to think of it, right? He's, he's still got to... Dolphins don't enter the competition next week. They enter uh, next year. So he's still got to play out the season. The Dolphins are wanting to play out this season. So I don't think he's about to head out the door in the next few weeks. Uh, so I, I, I do believe the back spasm is a thing, especially the position that he plays and the work that he does. That is a, you know, a common, it's one of those, it's probably got to a stage where it's worse than, uh, obviously he can't play, play with the pain. Uh, but like those type of injuries, um, on a smaller scale are happening all the time, but we just don't hear about it. 
Yeah. Well, I was just wondering. He did uh, sign with the Bulldogs. Then via then he went via Penrith. He signed the deal yeah. after agreeing to the Bulldogs. So yeah. it wouldn't overly shock me if he has a stint elsewhere. Yeah. I, I guess the biggest surprising thing, and we'll, we'll get to it in a sec, is that he hasn't been named to the team this week. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like he, no, yeah. But I just, but that could be, you could be right. Tavir Bingo Jr., 100%, and could have injured his back. It could have been from a training drill or like, you know, or he fought like from last week. Just the last workload game. that he does. Yeah. yeah. Last game, he could have injured his back and been like, yeah, do you know what? They could have said Mick Potter, yeah, he's a 50-50 shot or, you know, he's a 30% chance. And Tavita would have said to Mick, do you put me in the squad? I'll do everything in my power to get into this game. And yeah. then he's pulled sore training or, you know, he's done a little bit more damage or, you know, and maybe Mick's gone, do you know what? Have another week off on a Friday night, a cold Friday night in Penrith. Might not do that back any any good. Yeah. We might hold you off for another week. And it could be the feedback engine comes back and then plays his three years out with the Bulldogs and then it even extends later. Um, it could just be the timing of that injury when rumours have, you know, came up that he's at the door. But, uh, yeah, it's just interesting he's not named. But, again, it's something the Bulldogs could probably handle on socials and, you know, an injury update. Might really justify it because back spasms has been thrown around by the fans more than the actual club itself. So just putting that out there. They yeah. could have done like an injury the update. Pilot, pilot did say. Or yeah, after the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to find like, out before the game via fans. Yeah. Like, yeah. are they seeing tweets being put in? Because Trevor tweeted saying it was back spasms first. And I wonder if, he, if they seen them and, well, that works. Or, you know what I mean? I don't know. I feel like they could have. Trevor has a good mail. He's another good follow for any Bulldogs fans on the uh, social, especially Bulldogs fans that want to watch this Oz Cup. You get those oh, updates weekly, which is fantastic. Oh, he's uh, one of the best. Yeah, and, and we are also uh, being tagged in those tweets and sharing those tweets as well. Um, yeah. For Bulldogs supporters. Alrighty, um, Bulldogs play Panthers Friday night football uh, out at the foot of the mountains. It's going to be freezing. So it's already been freezing today. Um, that's something I forgot to leave on my. I left out on my positivity sheet. We survived today. The winds and, <laughs> and the chill factor. <laughs> you know, I don't like the cold. Um, doesn't do justice for the back. And I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about myself here. All right. Um, Panthers have a lot of players out, but geez, they've got a good squad regardless, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a good one because it's a good squad. Uh, I'm going to go through the team lineup in a second, but I was really thinking we could have them with not just the amount of players that are playing Origin, but the positions that is being taken out of that team. And then I see the, the 17 they name. And oh my goodness, <laughs> yeah, it's a good 17. Um, really good 17. And you look at someone like I think Kurt Force is his name, the playing 5 8 this week, yeah, yeah, who actually plays halfback in Israel's Cup. There's some research for you, actually plays yeah. halfback in Israel's Cup. And Sean Seven plays 5 8. So I've got the switchy Roo and the jerseys in the NRL. Um, probably not over uncovered because Sean Seven keeps going in and out of the team a little bit yeah. more frequently. So it might be the reason why they keep the seven on Kurt Falls' back because, you know, he was more of a mainstayer of the cup side at the moment. He yeah. is an absolute superstar of that Nationals Cup side. So he's a, a really good player. Uh, I wish him the best in this next stage, because this next step for him. Not too good, yeah, though, because I don't want to like 20, He's 25 making his debut, so that's good yeah. to see. But he's... He's such a talentless Charles Carp. I I feel like he's, you know, just sometimes the wrong spot, you know, Nathan Cleary yeah. when you play behind the best half. Um, I hope he goes well, just not too well. But then you look at 
you know, you've, they've got players who have been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, and like Penrith Panthers have only lost two games in the Lusos Cup this year. Yeah. And that's that's a competition where you've got players coming and going all the time. I know the Penrith Panthers top grade is a settled squad, but still you've got players um, moving well, up and down throughout that, comp- throughout that competition. So um, two losses there, which they means that week. with combining the NRL team, uh, NRL and Lusos Cup, they've played um, 23 times. For 20 wins. <laughs> yeah. Well, they lost last week, right? Yeah. They rested these players who were playing top grade this week. Okay. They rested them deliberately so they didn't lose them for this week's game. They didn't want to risk any injury. Kurt Falls missed their game. Sean O'Sullivan, I'm pretty sure, missed last week. Yeah. Uh, a few more missed. So they rest them, and then they lost having a comeback. Yeah, 36-26 to Newcastle there. Yeah, they had a, they had a good finish to the game. That's not fair. Yep. They've got seven players out. They shouldn't be doing that when they've got seven players out. It doesn't matter what level you're in. All right. Well, we what's, to ram home our point, I'm just going to read out the team list, Scotty, and then we'll go through the changes for Penrith before we get to the Bulldogs just to yep. highlight the points we're making. At fullback, it's Dylan Edwards. The and winger. Uh, yeah, and he's the premiership winning fullback. On yes. the wings, Taylor May, one of the top try scorers of the competition. And Charlie Staines, the Ferrari, they call him. In the centres, Isaac Tago, killing it in top grade this year. Absolutely killing it. He's shooting for centre of the year. Could be rookie of the year. Maybe Taylor May might take it off him. Who knows? uh, Replacing Stephen Crichton is bloody Robert Jennings. Dolphins. Incredible talent. He's off to the Dolphins. Uh... But awesome, awesome talent. Now, the halves, you've mentioned it. Kurt Falls, Sean O'Sullivan. Killed it in round one, Sean O'Sullivan. Kurt Falls doing amazing in this was cup level. The front row, Moses Leota. Enough said. James, James, James Fisher-Harris. And Apisai Corisau. That's, that's I was going to say, that's a premiership winning front row, but it is. Absolutely. <laughs> Second row, Viliami Kikau. Bulldogs Marquee recruit. Yeah, Chris Smith, who's been a bit of a journeyman, and Matt Eisenhoof, who's had some really good good games at the Penrith Panthers. Now, you go, okay, that's the 13. They've got to start to show some weakness on the bench, right? Has to come. Mm. Has to come. The bench is Mitch Kelly. He's Scott Sorrison, who's won the backboards this the, year. He's probably one of the uh, most underrated forwards and actually one of the better forwards in the competition on the bench. Spencer Lilieu. He's been good. And Jamin Salmon, who's been in the top 17 all year. He's been good. Been surprised. Been good. I'm surprised how they've been using him and seeing him develop into whatever they bloody need out there. Mr. Fix-It. Yep. And uh, in Jersey 19, uh, we will go, I'll just point out Jersey 19 for Penrith, it's Jermaine Hopgood, who in any other team would be a fringe first grader. Well, yeah, he's so, signed power next year as well. There you go. The other players are Lindsay Smith, Sonny Turuvua, to, to Preston Ricky, and Sonny Luke, who made his debut earlier in the year. So the changes here uh, out Brian Toto, Isaiah Yo, Jerome Luai, Liam Martin, Nathan Cleary, Steve Crichton. And what a team. Unbelievable. Yeah. I must even say, they've got such a good team. Yeah. And they've lost so many players that even Christian Crichton couldn't get a run on the wing. Yeah. Put it and, out there. 
Is he is he injured at the moment? No, Maybe he's not. playing with Zeus. There you go. Okay, there you go. That's another good point. Uh, if people say that we don't have enough talent for another team in the NRL, ridiculous. And you know, I must say, before you read the Bulldogs lineup, they asked me yeah. Potter about this is a good opportunity versus the Panthers, and you know, yeah. pretty much saying the Bulldogs you know have this in the bag, despite you know Panthers being in the sports bets favourites and all those betting yeah. agencies of favourites. Uh, Mick Potter basically just pretty much straight looked back at that journalist and said, you'd have to be stupid to think you got it in the bag when we've only won two games this year. <laughs> like you, Good response. You can't, you what, um, they're not just the favourites of the betting agencies, they're favourites of me. <laughs> you know what? Like, the Bulldogs players, though, they'll be going into that. They'll surely be going into that buzzing thinking, what an opportunity. Like it, yeah. It's because Penrith in Penrith as well, They've turned out to a little bit of a fortress. I know Parramatta beat them a fortnight ago, whatever it was, or three weeks ago, but they won so many in a row, like too much to even count in a row there at Penner, mm. at Blue Bet Stadium. It was like 22 in a row or something. Which is insane. And then mm. they lost to arch, like their arch rivals yeah, tightly. It wasn't like they got spanked off the park. They looked like they might have even stolen it at the end as well. Yeah. So... They have that record there. I think their biggest loss, to be honest, is Isaiah Yo. Yeah. Because I just reckon their attack becomes a little bit thing. So I think their points well, drop dramatic, not dramatically, probably drop. Yeah, that's that's the trial too. I, I don't think Penrith will have any issues making meters. I think they'll no. get down to our end of the field quite, uh, not easily, but qu- quite easily. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you're right. The points may be the difference. With two new halves, um, a new edge back rower and a new lock, and Matt Eisenhoof is not really known for his ball playing. The thing that may hurt the Panthers the most is not so much getting opportunities, but finishing opportunities. Yep. And that might be our best bet. But I'm not confident that they still won't be able to finish enough opportunities to win. Because yeah, win, to lose the that's, game. That's the thing. Because when Sean Savlin played, everyone said how good Sean Savlin was. He had his AEO, who's yeah. you know just the, the center of everything at Penrith. Literally mm-hmm. the center of everything, and then you got uh, Jerome Luai, yeah, uh, who <coughs> was still there, and you know what he's like—he's a bloody mm-hmm. pest. Like you just want to whack yeah. him, you want to swat him. Um, but he's—he was more involved, and absolutely definitely took pressure off. So now there's no Jerome Luai or Zayo to take that pressure off these two young halves. That's these the two young halves are going in mm-hmm. together with no real senior. Yeah, and that's that's that's, that's just carousel, really. That's the positive for the Bulldogs. And the other positive is that we've already played Penrith once this year, and we weren't we didn't have our pants pulled down. It's only 32-12, uh, a comfortable win for the Panthers, but uh, we we held our own for a long period of time. So yeah, if we could hold our we own. Annoyed them. If we could hold our own for extended period of time, if they could have a couple of issues scoring points, uh, a win is not out of the out of the reckoning. But I think Penrith more than deserve their favourites tag for this week. Bulldogs team. Uh, I'm just going to read out the team that has been named, but there has been some news today. I'm sure you'll touch on that in a second. Our fullback, yeah. Matt Dufty, the wiggers are Jacob Kurez and Josh Adokar. The centres are Aaron Shipp and Jake Averillo. In the halves, Matt Burden and Kyle Flanagan. Front row, Luke Thompson and Paul Vaughan with the Dolphin-bound Jeremy Marshall King at hooker. Josh Jackson has moved to Jersey 11 in the second row. Uh, he's, he's moved to play second row previously this year, but our first time named in Jersey 11. Raymond Fatala-Mariner in Jersey 12. So congratulations to Raymond, first time he's in the starting lineup for a long period of time. Max King, everyone's 
the fan favourite at the moment has been landed at lock. The bench, Zach Dogger Clay, Corey Waddell, Chris Patolo, and Arba Sinamanafungai. And our reserve list now looks like this. The replacement player is Jackson Torpenny. The reserves are Bailey Biondiotto, Joe Stimson, Corey Allen, uh, and Curtis Murray. I've got to put a weird one out there. We'll, actually, we'll start with the, the news first before I start throwing some speculation. Uh, Matt Dufty's apparently been dropped for this game. Mm. Uh, photo, and I think it was Trevor as well who uh, saw a photo and uh, looked like Jack Everlow was running a play at fullback. Uh, that, was, that was Andrew Macker again. Was that Macker again? Just, I was just going to find it to pull it up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so. Uh, uh, just before you go on there, at Andrew Macker 27. Uh, is that Twitter handle as well? So, yeah, so it looked like Jack Everly training at fullback. It, who knows? It, look, it looked like Corey Allen was at the uh, center position. It looked like they just, you know, swapped. But there's been talks, obviously, Corey Allen. I don't think Corey Allen's physically ready to play an NRL game at fullback at the moment. He did his hamstring and then he came back in his first game in this one's cup and pulled his hamstring in the first half. He yeah. had a couple of weeks off again. So, uh, you know, it's a physically demanding position, a lot of running. Yeah, I'm not too sure about uh, the Foxes' ball playing at the back of fullback. Uh, you know, he would definitely kill the running. If there's any sweeping plays and you're split second late to the Fox, he'll probably score him. But, you know, what about his ball playing? We saw kind of Dallin do that, where Dallin used to run everything. And he, at first he was very, very uh, threatening with it, but no, not uh, very limited ball playing. So, yeah, look, but it looks like from that training shot, uh, Avarillo, fullback. Alan to center, which would be good to see Corey Allen in the top grade. He's been battling, trying to get into top grade. Um, you know, some issues with these the hamstrings. But an interesting one that I saw is obviously the Minifan guy was named in the NRL this week. And I think, you know, for me, I think he's a should be on the bench every week. I feel like he uh lifts. But I've also noticed him that he's been named for Anisol's Cup Clash this week. Okay. At uh, number eight. So he's been named twice, uh, which is a little bit unusual when you're named in the 17, not if you're 18 or below, they get named. But um, so this might not make any sense because the person I'm thinking, I'm thinking there's going to be a de- uh, debutant this week. This is completely no inside information at all. I'm not trying to Curtis, think that I have any man. I think Curtis, Curtis Moore, I reckon he makes his yeah. debut this week. There you I just go. got a funny feeling he'd take a bench spot. Off Arbor, but in saying that, Curtis is also named at lock this week as well. And mm-hmm. Jackson Topene is play is named in the second row to play the Knights. But it's just weird that I, I was playing there. Who knows? Maybe the game time Mick Potter has planned for Arbor Seaman and could only he might only want to use him for 20 minutes in the game and thinking, you know what, if you're playing 20 at top grade, you surely you could, you know, play a game in the Cup a couple of days later, which is the Cup game on Sunday mm. afternoon. So I don't know. Okay. But so I just good. feel like there's a debut on. There you go. Some good points there. Um, and we did give out the Twitter handle to Andrew Macker that we're referencing. So the um, Twitter account for Trevor that we've referenced throughout this episode is Trevor Ty. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Trevor J-C-T. Trevor spelled T-E, sorry, T-R-E-V-A-J-C-T uh, on Twitter. So give him a follow because... We'll give both of them follows. Good follows. Apart from that, Scotty, have you organised an old dog for this week? I have organised stats, but I've got one in my head. I've been thinking okay. for the last hour. Go ahead. Uh, you see, you said someone who's uh, we're doing this uh, thing of 
you know, picking people who are might not have had the top grade, you know, ex- experience or, you know, but still made but an impact, impact on the, the yeah, impact on the club, but not um, maybe the obvious players. But I've actually I've picked someone who actually has played 100 NRL games though. All right. Plus 100 plus NRL games. Uh, it did have an impact on the. Um, had a massive impact on the club, but he also played for the Panthers as well. So I've I've actually picked Tim Brown as old dog this week because uh, he was you know a good prop off the interchange bench, always yeah. did his job. Uh, geez, he had some injuries, didn't he? He, he did. probably could have pl- played a bit more. He had that uh, fractured skull, and he came back later that year. Seventy five percent goal kicker too. <laughs> Bullseye Brown from the sideline. Brett Morris loved that one, didn't he? Um, Steve Allen, f- yeah. Yeah, but uh, good, I think Brett Morris could believe a prop forward could kick it that well from the side. <laughs> he absolutely nailed that. Um, he only just got the 100 games, Scotty. 103 games, uh, 84 of those for Canterbury, 19 for Penrith. And then he had that, what was that injury against when he played in this one's cup game? We had to go get rushed to hospital. He, and then he also even had the leg infection where... Yeah. He was t- tackled and almost had his leg amputated whilst playing. And the, the third one was where he actually ended up calling you know, quits on his football career. Um, you know, such a handy player. He debuted in 2010 and then didn't get his... He played the four games and then had to wait until 2013 to play again. Yeah. But uh, from 2013 to 16, he was fairly... Uh, fairly like, he was a regular and a big part of the club. Yeah, big, big part, part of the first grade team. Yeah, big part. Uh, most, mostly off the bench from memory. Yes. Um, yeah. But he was he was a mainstay, and uh, and um, definitely contributed a big a big amount during those years. Yeah, and one of my uh, favorite things about picking him as old dog this week was he's a, he's a very good bloke, very good bloke. I'll take a quick. I'll tell a quick story. Uh, at Joe Bell's Cafe in Belmore, sitting there having a coffee, and. Uh, Tim happened to be walking out and noticed that I was wearing a Bulldog shirt and stopped and had a chat uh, asking us where we're from. And we're going to think that was a get week we will versus the Roosters in the semi-final, which we lost asking if we're going to be attending and all that. And he was talking about his goal kicking, how he's been practicing and all that. So, you know, he actually stayed for about, you know, 10 minutes and had a chat after we're wearing Bulldog shirts. Quite a, like the cafe was a little bit empty at the time, but you know, you know, what a man. Acknowledge the fans. Always had, you know, never heard a bad story with him interacting with fans. Uh, great, pl- great bloke. And then, you know, he's a proud Bulldogs fan. Even And here's a funny story. He went to Panthers at training and I got to, they said to wear old jerseys. He rocked, old jersey day, rocked up with a Bulldog jersey on. <laughs> always proud to be a Bulldog, eh? You can never, never take that away. Once a Bulldog, always a Bulldog. So. That's it. And what yeah. a moment to leave the episode on, I think. Once a Bulldog. Always, Always a, a, bulldog. a bulldog. 